Welcome back to the Tribute Games Podcast. The Tribute Games Podcast is where us Tribute Games talk about uh, making games here in our little studio in Montreal. Talking to you right now is uh, Yannick Velzil. I am uh, the social media manager for Tribute Games and I'm also the writer. And at my left, there's... Uh, Dom3D, I'm a game designer. Jonathan, I'm a game designer and also uh, the president of the company. Big boss. Yes. Big boss. In front of me, there's... Justin, I'm the hack from way back. Yes. <laughs> uh, Stefan, artist. Jean-Francois, programmer. Carl Kerschel, comic book artist. Andy, uh, programmer. I have full house. Yes, yeah, the whole company yeah, and an extra. Yeah, no, yeah, a whole company is at the mic tonight, uh, which is great. Guys, have you played anything notable this week? Had fun? Noticed anything in games this week? Oh, what's up? Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I played Destiny. Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I almost bought Destiny again, <laughs> but I, didn't. Again, so, uh, have to. Who's the the real boss of the company? I'm still the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so we we set up like two TV screens that we plan on, like. Playing some co-op Destiny at work. Yeah, we need a second uh, PlayStation Four. No. Yeah, cool. I don't even have one yeah. PlayStation Four, so <laughs> so that's where the Kickstarter money went. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's fully job related. So uh, if there's not more, then I oh. we should move to the topic of the day. Unless Carl Carla hasn't been to, on a podcast for a while. I haven't so. been here, but I've, I've heard myself speak on this podcast. <laughs> that's <twice>. right. <laughs> no, I wasn't here. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I've been, um, I talked to you guys a little about it yesterday, but I, I, based on listening to the pod, my absentee podcast, I listened to you guys talk a bunch about fantasy life. So I bought it because it sounded like the perfect game and now I've been playing it for, so is it several, many hours? Is it good for you? It's amazing. It's exactly what I wanted yeah. right now. It's, it's laid back, but still has some purpose. It's got enough forward momentum to keep me interested and occupied while still being laid back enough to go and, mm -hmm. you know, mine or, yeah. or whatever in, in my off time. It's been amazing. It's been yeah. really great. On, on Monday, I, I mastered one of the classes. Oh, yeah. And uh, during the, the ending of that master class, whatever, uh, it crashed. Oh! <laughs> Did <laughs> you I, lose... I lost about like three hours of progress. Uh, Wait, and so it, it gives you an it gives you kind of like a cutscene or something. When well, you we won't won't spoil it. Okay, but there's something when you finish it. We All right, a class. That's, that's cool. Um, it and crashes. It, it, <laughs> it crashes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I didn't know there were like hard crashes on 3ds, but yes, there are. Huh. And uh, I was really pissed. I was like, oh, what? I I don't want to try this again. I don't want to play those three hours of collecting wood again. Like this is dumb. Why am I playing this game? And the next day, I did it again. <laughs> Did it crash again? No, it was fine. But it's 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 weird because it feels like you're grinding when you're losing the, that progress. Yeah, but yeah. I'm also playing Fire Emblem Awakening uh, recently, and I have the same feeling every time a character dies. Yeah, and I have to uh, start over <laughs> because you play for like between half an hour and yep. an hour and a half, depending on the maps and. Die. One of your character dies, and you have to start over because you don't want your character to. Yeah, I think that's why it took me like a year and a half to finish that game. Because yeah. every time I would lose a character that I don't want to lose, I would stop playing for like a week and like, ah, I don't want to play this again. Yeah, and three weeks later, I'm like, why have I not finished Fire Emblem? I don't know. But that's the game, right? I mean, you're just constantly yeah, losing yeah. people. It's not. It's not a bug or anything. You're just no. always. You're supposed to die. accept the fact that. Some of your characters will die, but you don't. So mm -hmm. you start over. It's kind of sad for the characters that I did let die. Because I'm like, 
A is not important enough for me to start this <laughs> over. So some of them did die, but some of them... Didn't right. XCOM have a similar yes. vibe? Yeah. XCOM was really good, the yeah. latest one. It's weird, too, because like everyone that plays that game uh, complains about that feature, and yet it's the one feature that sets it apart from like so many similar games like it. Like, yeah. Everyone's like, I hate this, and it's like, but it's what makes yeah, it. Yeah, it enforces the strategy of it, because since you don't want your characters to die, you make an effort to yeah. play well and not let any characters in, in danger. Or in yeah. The only thing I wish they did was, like, have it faster to restart the missions yeah. if oh, someone yeah. died, because it you have to, like, skip, like, five or six cutscenes, usually, just to get back into the action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually I just press the home button and restart yeah. the whole game. That's what I do. There's, a, there's actually a faster way to do it if you hit uh, the right, tri- right left trigger and, like, start oh, yeah. it. All, hmm. try it it'll restart it inside of the game. So you hmm. Andy's hot tip of the week. <laughs> <laughs> it's still really long. Like, I've died a lot in Fire Emblem, yeah. but I just started this weekend. So. Okay. Did, did you guys know about Fire Emblem before Smash Brothers? Yes, I did. Yeah. Only because I listened a lot to the 8.4 yeah. podcast and they localized it, so they were talking about it a lot. I didn't, but each time like there's a new Smash Brothers and they reveal Fire Emblem characters, I'm like, wish I could get excited about those guys, but <laughs> I've never played it. It's not like when Mega Man showed up, I was like, oh, this is great, but then when it's the Fire Emblem characters, I'm like, yes, this is great, yeah. but I don't know them. Yeah, it's been Japanese exclusive games for a long time. Mm-hmm. The first ones were released in Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. so it's not as well known here as in Japan. Mm-hmm. But it's old from like the Famicom days, wasn't yeah. it? But it's really good that they, they basically put a lot of money and effort into this one, because they were saying that it's the last one they would try to put up, put in America. Okay. So that's why it's so, like, full-featured and has, like, a ton of maps, a ton of characters and, like, customization and all that and, and children and, and all that. But mm-hmm. it's because they were, it was their last gamble. They were like, we, we have to right. try one last time. And it totally worked out for them because that game is polished as hell. And, yeah, and it seems to be really well-received, too. Like. Yes. It, it sold gangbusters, and they're, they're going to do another one for sure. It sold gangbusters in North America? Yeah. Wow. sold, uh, I, th- I think the last number I, I, I saw was, like, uh, like five times what they were hoping for. Wow. So. It's from all the, the Smash Brothers. Like, people really finally wanted to get excited about these characters. So <laughs> oh, they, they it's, just, it's just an actual good game. It's really, really I good. I don't think so. <laughs> I think Tumblr helped a lot, too. Oh, they, yeah. they would put a lot of... A lot of people would put fan art and like fan fiction. Mm-hmm. It, it re-spread to to the teens and the, the kids. That's sort of fun when that happens, though. When the the game sort of reaches a, a new audience just from the memeing and the, and yeah. the gifs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, I just I also want to mention really quickly that like on a whim, I uh, it was a freebie on PlayStation Plus. I downloaded Luftrausers. Yeah, I played that. Mm-hmm. That game is really fun. It's really hard. It's really hard, but I, when I first started, I didn't know anything about it. And I and I thought like, and they give you like a really quick tutorial. I'm like, what the f-? like these controls are messed up. Like yeah. I couldn't do anything. And then as I got accustomed to it, I found it really what is it? Really fun. Luftrausers. It's so, a Beard game. Oh, the the. the it's like yeah, it's like a German German pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just and basically you're just customizing different planes, and it's kind of like playing like asteroids or something. Yeah, right? yeah. But it's it's not like a auto scrolling sh- shoot 'em up. It's more like you're on a map, a two D map, and you're flying around, and yeah, yeah. you can go up to the clouds or down in the water. And the whole thing is like three colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I have to get that. Yeah, pretty good. It's I mean, there's not a lot to it. Like, there's maybe like 
uh, four bosses that you you can you can beat. Like uh, there's a how do you call those uh, dirigibles? Yeah. One of my objectives was to defeat one of those blimps, yeah, but so I never actually saw one. So there's basically, like, I think there's like three of those kind of big bosses, and that's it. Like, yeah. There's nothing else to it. I kind of like that about it. Yeah, it's like it was just a simple. I didn't feel, I didn't feel oppressive at all. I just thought oh, it was just kind of fun. Yeah. I played it for like two hours. Can you play Nuclear Throne after that? <laughs> I don't know anything about it. It's like their other game. Oh wow! No, yeah. I, I yeah sure. It has it. It has a. Uh, not a lot of uh, links to Lufthrasers, but it has the same really good control feel, like satisfying explosions. Explosions are their specialty, basically. Mm. I'm actually playing a pretty good shoot-em-up right now on iPhone called uh, Skyforce, and it's really uh, it's really tight. It's really... Everything's super well done. Yeah, the controls are really good for, yeah. for a touch. Yeah, that's game. the surprising part. Yeah. It's really... <laughs> and it was free. Yeah, it's free. Uh, probably still. Is anyone playing Monument Valley? Yeah. I need to. You need to tell me about it. I don't know anything about it. It's just. Beautiful. I just keep seeing links to it. It's basically, you're basically playing in uh, MC Escher kind of levels, but it's like super smooth. Like and Echo Chrome kind of thing. A little bit like Echo Chrome, yeah. But it feels like there's there's I think what like eight or ten levels, and it's really small, but it's really uh, you take it at your own rhythm. There's no there's no challenge really. It's just about figuring it out. So it's like. It's like each level is a toy that you can play around with and try to get your guy to reach the end. It's really fun. It's really There's easy. no real challenge. It's just But nice. it's a puzzle, right? Yeah, yeah but it, they're really, really simple. Oh, okay. So it's mostly just to look at Pretty things. the graphics. Yeah, <laughs> it's really beautiful. It's yeah. really it's the most graphic game I've seen. It's old. Um, you, have you guys played Kingdom Rush? Yeah, I think it's, it's on Steam also. It's a tower defense game. Uh, it was on iOS before and on Flash. It's one of the best tower defense games ever. Like it's really, re actually, really good. It's really deep. And a new one just came out yesterday, and I'm excited to play the new one. It has a lot of uh, different towers that you can customize and upgrade, and it's really hard also because I suck at strategy games. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, it's okay to admit those failures here because you're in a circle of trust. That's what the oh, really? game podcast is. Mm. There's no judging. There's just acceptance. Okay, I killed a man once. <laughs> 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 see, see how this terrible news is greeted with laughter and understanding. <laughs> oh my it's what's great here. Uh, we're going to move on to the topic of the week, which uh, last uh, a couple of weeks ago we asked for uh, listener questions. And uh, one of those questions was from Mike Horowitz. And uh, he wanted to know like, what uh, about Kickstarter, like what lessons uh, did we learn from it and if we would uh, use it again and just uh, thoughts of um, crowdfunding for games in general. So I thought we could talk to that, uh, talk about that this week and given that we have our two presidents, our twin presidents here, uh, <laughs> that they could talk about uh, using Kickstarter for uh, financing Mercenary Games, which was our first uh, big game. So uh, uh, guys, uh, can you tell us like... Why did the, you guys decide to use, have a Kickstarter first and, and stuff like that back in 2012? Well, we had no choice or <laughs> the company wouldn't be what it is right now. Like, it was like um, we were at a point where we needed some funding to be able to keep making games because Wizard was some kind of success, but not enough to keep us like running uh, long enough for like to, to let us make an, another game because for a lot of reasons Wizard was only three dollars so you don't yeah. make a lot of uh, revenue from that you need to sell a ton to make a yeah. ton <laughs> and the, team, the team was getting bigger also, also yeah also the scope yeah. of our team was 
Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, we, we wanted to make a bigger game. We wanted to make something bigger to allow ourselves to, to be known a little bit more, like to, to be able to like, Set yourself stand up. Yeah, 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 exactly. And we didn't have the, the, the money to do that. So Kickstarter seemed like a, a good idea because uh, we tried to, um, to get funding from publishers but the deals were never in our favor. Mm-hmm. So there was really rarely any money up front or like it was mostly marketing promises and mm-hmm. so that's not really what we were looking for. Yeah, exactly. I guess I guess publishers don't need to give money up front to people. They just need, have to wait for games to come to their door now. Like well, fully, fully made yeah. games. They still have to I think go fishing, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that's how publishers work these days. There's so many games coming out that they can just try to contact anyone and see if anyone's gonna yeah, usually give them their like games. They, yeah, usually they, they, these days they they already have a game project, like a license or something, mm-hmm. and they go fishing for a, for a company that is willing to do work for hire oh, yeah. to to make that game. But that wasn't our case. We wanted to make uh, something original. We needed funding for that. Publishers were, weren't ready to take that risk. Yeah, they don't want to invest in an IP that they don't own yeah. as yeah. well. So. Why Kickstarter and not some kind of business loan or independent investment? Um, I think that we, we could have uh, went for a loan, and, but the, the risk of that is it's a bit higher for us than uh, with a Kickstarter. And what we liked about Kickstarter is that we, at the same time, we build, we build um, a fan base, like we, community. yeah, we build a, a community around the game, which is really useful for many things. Like it's useful to market the game, and it's also later Tested. useful to test the game. And it's um, it's a lot of uh, resources that normally you would have to invest money to 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 get. Uh-huh. But now you get it for free in addition to the money that you get from Kickstarter. I think um, also it allows you to test the waters ahead of time before yeah. like you even invest into a game. You just throw it out there, see if people seem interested in your project. And if you weren't successful with, it, with our Kickstarter, like I, I don't think we would have went ahead with it. We probably would have shot that idea. Yeah. Done something else. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's a good way to cut the cord on, on a project that's mm-hmm. not going to be successful. So, yeah, if you go with a bank or whatever, you won't really get someone's opinion on your project. Yeah. They're just going to loan you a bunch of money and then you have to pay it back somehow, even if it's a failure. So Kickstarter is kind of a safe plan. I guess. Yeah. And before actually, I remember you telling me like there was a lot of work to be done before actually launching the Kickstarter. So what was that work? Like, was it like budgeting the game? Like, uh, a game this scale takes that much money? Is it the research? What kind of research are you making? What's the work before the site goes live and the, 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 the fundraising goes live? Yeah. Evaluating the, the, um, the budget of the game is obviously a big part of it. But you also have to prepare the Kickstarter campaign because you um, you have to um, build a page, have content on the page, you have the Kickstarter video to make. You have the, the rewards. Yeah, the rewards to plan. Yeah, it's a lot of work. You have also to to um, to make sure that the the rewards won't eat all the money you're gonna gain from the Kickstarter. Yeah. 
and you're gonna make sure you get you have to make sure that also when you launch your Kickstarter campaign, it, it's not happening at the same time as some big release or or some other big event because mm -hmm. otherwise you're not gonna have any coverage from from the media. Um, talking about rewards, just wrapped up shipping all the t-shirts and promos like not too long ago yeah so it's like almost two years later so um how many i remember we the goal was uh seventy five thousand, right yeah and that was what you initially asked for seventy five thousand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, we reached 90 something uh, uh 116 yeah 116 well and uh, once that's reached once the campaign is done like um how much money actually comes back to the company and stuff like that? Because there are different parties taking cuts and stuff, right? Yeah, um, Kickstarter takes 5%, and then um, Amazon also takes 5%, and then you have the, um, the taxes from the government, which is in between 15 and 30%. So in the end, you have between 60,000 and 75,000. But you have to also um, subtract the cost of the rewards and shipping. So we ended up having less money than the minimum money we asked for. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, uh, that was always. But fun. but but uh, technically, for the Kickstarter user, we reached a, a, a higher goal. Almost, yeah. mm -hmm. So yeah. th that we promised we would do more stuff. So we, we yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it, it was kind of expected. Like we knew that there, there were those costs. Uh, we hoped that we would get a bit more uh, than our goal. But with our goal, it was the bare minimum we would need to make the game. Mm -hmm. Because well, not even like make the game, but just survive while we're doing yeah. the game. Because yeah. that's one like misconception that people have about our campaign or any campaign. I guess that's not the budget for Mercenary Kings. Oh, no, no, like, costs you way more than that. There's, there's no way you can make a game with seventy-five thousand dollars minus the, the rewards. So, <laughs> yeah, it costs, it costs really much more. So the way I really saw it was somewhat of a loan to get us to ship the game, but like but without really paying, paying ourselves. Yeah, we even had a hard time, like where. Like, thankfully, there was early access that came around. Yeah. And that didn't really exist before, like, we started, uh, when we started our Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, but it's funny because we wanted to do something like, like early access in our Kickstarter campaign because what we wanted to do was actually to release, like, the, the basic version of the game and then add the features, the additional features we wanted as a free DLC afterwards. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And early access happened to, do that. Yeah, appear was, at the, uh, the, the right moment was really awesome with yeah. uh, early access and yeah that's that allowed us to really finance the, the rest of the game and would you, and would you do would you do another game on early access if you didn't need the money i think it would depend on on the game because uh, some games uh, are more prone to uh, this kind of uh, model mm -hmm. but some other games maybe it they're not going to work as well on, on, on early access. Like, for example, Curses and Chaos would not work, but the game I'm working on would might work? Yeah, on. maybe, yeah. Because when you're doing <coughs> su such a small game, uh, I think you're actually going to have an overhead um, managing this, uh, the community and everything yeah. around early access. 
and you're gonna make the, the process of developing your game slower than it would. Yeah. But when you have a big game like Mercenary Kings, it's actually better because it helps you balance mm -hmm. everything. And do, yeah. you, do you feel like you had to launch Mercenary Kings twice? Because of early yeah, access. for sure. Because um, the early access launch actually made made a big a big impression. It was like the was, bigger launch, and yeah, it was really our our peak. main launch was on early access. I think um, a lot of our sales came from the early access launch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, most of the reviews from came out that was are still. From the early yes, <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of like one of the downsides from yeah. early access. I think maybe early access was uh, too new. Like it was, yeah. yeah. People, People didn't know what what they it didn't meant. really know what it meant. Yeah, exactly. But they yeah. they just thought that that was the game, that was the final product. I don't even think they do reviews of early access games. Anymore. I think I think they do now, but they they market like for example, in Giant Bomb, the the quick looks for games that are in early access are called unfinished. So it's clearly stated, this is a video of a game that's not finished. We'll do another one when it's released. But does that not like add a lot of confusion? Like For people that aren't so savvy, they'll read something and be like maybe unaware that it is an early uh, early. But that's why, that's why even the, the journalistic side of it needed to adapt. Like right. They needed to tag like articles that are like previews or like yeah. early access uh, snapshot or whatever. So they also they were also learning as we as we were. How long did it take you to reach your initial Kickstarter goal? Was it fast, or were you kind of sweating uh, it out uh, for a while? It was around uh, two thirds of the the campaign. How long is the campaign? Uh, one month. Okay. So maybe twenty days, and then in the last few days, because uh, usually a Kickstarter campaign has two peak. Like the first peak is right at the beginning. You have a lot of people pledging, and then in the last. 24 hours, yeah. there's another big peak at the end. But the thing with Kickstarter, too, is like uh, the bids aren't final until it's over. There's yeah. actually people that can withdraw. Yeah, yeah. And you can but actually once, see like dips, too, where like maybe people did like $1,000 contributions and then halfway through, if they see it's not gaining traction, they're like, nah, I'm just going to take yeah, this yeah. out. Yeah, it but, happens. But you cannot remove a pledge that would make it lower than the goal. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you cannot like, you cannot reach your 70000 and be like, yay, and then someone removes a 1000 Oh, okay. So oh. once you make the minimum bid, even before it's done. Nobody can remove two lower than 70000 for example. Oh. Okay, they have to wait till it goes past and then go yoink. Yeah. But that rarely happens too, so. Yeah. Was there a moment where it was not going so well and you <clears> thought this is not going to work out and you just uh, like bummed out or were you was, or were you pretty confident for most of it? It was really stressful, but I think we were somewhat confident that it would make it, but it would like pretty much the whole duration yeah. of the Kisar. Yeah, that middle that middle yeah, section was pretty... Uh, where nothing happens. Where, was, where, where nothing yeah. happens was, was kind of stressful because it's like, Ooh, almost there. <laughs> and then you stay there for like five, six days. Yeah. yeah. So would, would you do it again? I mean, now you have the clout. You've got a big game behind you. Short answer is no. <laughs> yeah, but is it because of the reward hassle or is it because you could probably get a lot more money now faster based yeah. on your... Well, I'm not sure. Because... Yeah, it's, sure. it would really we'd be able to make a lot more money with Kickstarter. Yeah, and like we said, it we didn't make all that much money when you remove all the the rewards and Kickstarter's cut and all that stuff. Um, yeah, in the end, like 
maybe there was forty thousand left. I don't know. And for how we, many how many copies of the game were given for that amount? Uh, three thousand eight hundred or something like that. So you're not yeah, you're not yeah. making as much money as you would have made by selling those, right? Pretty much, but it's honestly you have to you have to kind of think that we had to invest a lot of time just dealing with Kickstarter stuff. So uh, Jonathan spent a whole month full time before the Kickstarter launch, and then another month during the Kickstarter campaign, just um, creating updates and all that stuff. And then it and takes a month to get the money. And then, yeah. yeah, it takes a little while to get the money. And we started the Kickstarter when we were at a point where money was becoming quite an issue. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, now we need money. Let's do a Kickstarter three months later. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you only have, like, if you have $40,000 of that, like, And that's still a lot of money, but when you think that that forty thousand dollars has to go into renting a space and being a salary for like how many people were working on the game? Uh, yeah, basically, the, there was only one employee that had a, a real salary, and it was a programmer. Mm -hmm. and, and the <laughs> rest of the rest of us, we we didn't pay ourselves real salaries. We just yeah. had like a super small pay just to survive. And then there was more rigmarole with the Kickstarter because I think at the time it wasn't available to Canadians. Yeah, it was only available in, in oh, the yeah. U.S. So we had yeah. to to have a, a U.S. contact, like a, like a, well, a man of the team had to right. have uh, an address in the U.S., uh, so yeah, it was a bit complicated. Yeah, yeah. there's also like the shipping part, like we had to find places to print like t-shirts, make the actual t-shirts, uh, posters, and all those rewards. Especially like the box copies, those were really horrible. Yeah, like, it was another month or two of just, of just trying to find People who can make boxes, people who can make foams for inside the boxes. Yeah, you don't think of like, who makes the best foam? Yeah. yeah. Questions you never ask yourself. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> Since the big corporations took over, you can't go to your local foam merchant anymore. <laughs> And then there's the actual shipping part where there was probably two weeks. Um, yeah, just where packaging. like we just package of physical ship. labor of actual tech, yeah. tactile yeah. labor. That was sort of fun though. From yeah, that time. was yeah, that was definitely <laughs> interesting. But so like in the end of that forty thousand, like I don't know, maybe there's like twenty thousand left. Like it's yeah, I don't it's, think it's that bad. But it, no. yeah, there was a lot of yeah overhead and not that much money. It comes back to the actual production of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think, like, the only reason I would do another Kickstarter is, like I said before, just to test the waters and see if, like, your idea sticks. And Yeah. But it's pretty severe these days also on, on Kickstarter. Like, a lot of projects are either trying to go for the million or trying to just get, like, 50,000. And it's. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, companies now do a Kickstarter. Uh, even if they don't really need to. Yeah, it's a like, it's publicity it, tool now. It, yeah, exactly. Because, for example, if uh, we do another Kickstarter, I, I'd have a different approach. Like Because now we can finance our own game, so I'd yeah. use it to build a community and to to have players early. Like uh, pre-orders? Yeah, it's it's a bit like pre-orders, but you your community get more engaged into mm -hmm. uh, your game because they... they In a way, they participate to the they participate to the production of the game, 
I think a good way would be to maybe go to Kickstarter when we have a game at like 80 or 90% completion and then put it up on Kickstarter to see how much effort we should put on adding stuff to that game. See see if it's people are really interested then we can if we get like Four million dollars, we can add like more content or more uh, features or see yeah. what the people want or something. Yeah. And get pinball machines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'd probably hire people to just take care of the Kickstarter part and be able to focus on actually making the game rather than. Mm -hmm. There are services for just for that now, like especially yeah. the, the shipping reward stuff. It's, uh, it's it's all taken care of by other companies now. Yeah, because that must be frustrating <clears throat> because all you want to do is make your game, but then you're just. Yeah. Always managing that thing. Like on top of all the stuff you still have to manage to keep the company running, then there's the Kickstarter stuff on top of that gets in the way of the game you are financing. Yeah. That's the main issue with it, is that it's a big overhead. There there are uh, pros and cons for Kickstarter for sure. Well, the fact that your the company is here and it's it's yeah. grown is a proof that it worked. Right? Yeah, it was <laughs> it, it was good for us. Like Kickstarter was a, a, a good move. But in our current position, I wouldn't do a, another one. All right. And also, uh, uh, one thing to note is we actually somewhat did a second Kickstarter. It was handled by Offbase for like a strategy guide. Oh yeah. And yeah, that one failed, unfortunately. <laughs> um, they were asking for like sixty thousand to make a strategy guide, and I think people didn't really get how for seventy-five thousand they could get a game. <laughs> and then for 60, you would get like yeah. a strategy guide. Um, but the, like, well, if you ask me, it. that's a bit too much because, uh, you can do an art book all by yourself and a friend, which is what I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> When's that coming out? Uh, it's done. I got the final copy uh, that I have to uh, check, uh, uh, proof it for errors and typos because that's been the, the thing for the last couple of weeks. But I'll send you. Uh, I'll, I'll send it to you. No, it's yeah. only for Kickstarter backers. Yeah, but the yes. <laughs> and friends like our. Yeah, but our our book is uh, only digital, so it's yeah. a bit yeah. less expensive. That's true. That's I true. Think the, the issue with the, yeah, the strategy great. guide is that they wanted to have like a premium item, like hardcover yeah. and a lot of yeah. art inside. They, they wanted to um, hire artists to do more artwork. Um, talking about Kickstarter, what do you feel about like companies that do a campaign? It becomes enormously successful, like you know four times, eight times as much as they ask and they get millions of dollars. And then when they get to the dates where they're expected to deliver something and they come up short, how do you kind of feel about that? Like, do you ever feel like there's some abuse to a Kickstarter or do you think there's... So of course there is, but it's like, for me, it's, it's obvious that it's, it's normal. Like yeah. people yeah. are developing a game. And Absolutely no one in the, the entire game industry is able to properly scheduled production <laughs> of the yeah. game. Yeah. It's always late. Also, because you promise a lot of stuff on Kickstarter, so yeah. you can't just like cut the features or scope it down yeah. to, f to fit the, the release date. You can't, because you've promised everything for of that course, date. Yeah. So. That's the thing that amazes me, though, is that it seems like even though there's been enough examples of like, hey, we only need this much, and they get like these yeah. large, large sums and they can't deliver, people are like, yeah, let's just keep, you know, feeding the, the, the machine. It's like there hasn't, there doesn't seem to be a, an equally proportionate backlash against. Well, th there has been a backlash for on Kickstarter because people don't trust as much. The people don't trust 
uh, Kickstarters as much. Right. Like you need to have some kind of uh, credibility right. and track record, and yeah. you need to be you need to be double fine to get money now. Like right. it's and even them, they're gonna if they want to try to do a third one because they made one for Massive Chalice also. They're probably gonna need to promise uh, like how can I say this. Uh, to prove that they can do it because they're yeah. struggling with Broken Age a little bit and people don't trust it as much. As yeah, that's the weird thing. It seems like a lot of people just keep going back to the well and people just keep throwing money into it. And it's yeah. just like, you know, it almost seems like that becomes now their business models more managing Kickstarters than... Wasn't it uh, Double Fine that did that spaceship game that they... DF9? Yeah, yeah, that was an early access thing. Okay, that was just early access. But it's still it's still one of those uh, pro- promise. problematic promises. Is that yeah. they, you put a game on on early access, you say it's going to be this like dwarf fortress kind of thing. It's going to have a lot of features. You see that it doesn't catch on, and you're like, well, we're going to stop updating it. But a lot of people have paid like twenty twenty five bucks to play that game, hoping they'll be- become this big thing. So it's kind of I I think I read something this week where. Only a third of the games that have been on early access have been released. Wow. It is problematic. A lot of games are just not being released or not released as they were. Plus, so there's probably like 10 times as many Kickstarters. Because of oh, the yeah. successful ones, everyone's like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. So we're part of the top tier. Yeah. yeah. You're the winners. Quoted a lot. Like, people often reference Mercenary Kings when they talk about like early access games that made it. Mm-hmm. Because it came out great and it went well, I guess. It came out so good. So good. Yeah. That's a bullet on the box. Yeah. It came out so good. <laughs> it came out so good. There's actually a bullet in the box as well. <laughs> yes, that's if you have game. a physical reward for Kickstarter, if you have a physical game, you had an actual game that's on a bullet-shaped USB key. So think about that when you fire up your time machine to go pledge in the yeah. past for Mercenary <laughs> Kings. And please don't hurt anybody with those. Don't hurt... Uh, <laughs> Don't hurt anyone. Period. Yeah. Only, only All, use your your USB bullets for to store information. Yeah. We are not responsible for any accidents. Yeah. None at all. No responsibility here. No. Only with the money you've pledged to us and the thing we're sending you. It is kind of fun too to have like a physical thing. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's great. I love digital and stuff. But there is something very satisfying about holding a box and the box reading a manual. And it's all like harkens back to old NES. Yeah. It's, it's like a trophy. Like I helped make this thing. Yeah. <laughs> More garbage. <laughs> <laughs> more yeah, garbage. just one more piece of garbage on this planet, <laughs> weighing it down, waiting until the planet shakes us off like ticks. Yeah. Is yeah. that foam biodegradable? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it makes the atmosphere worse because yeah, it's so durable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I think on that note, we better end the podcast until... If we keep going that way, we'll reveal that Mercenary Kings like is one of the ingredients to, yeah. to the, the end days, which we shouldn't. That so, was a very serious podcast. I think so. Yeah. Very professional. Yeah. yeah. Well, we by the law of averages, there was bound to be one. So, uh, like, <laughs> just to balance things out, next week, what should we talk about? We should talk about something really dumb and silly. Uh, we should all work out uh, a tight five-minute uh, stand-up routine. All right. A tight I, five next week. Uh, next week, I want to. I want to have the conversation about why people like. Resident Evil 4 so much. Oh, uh, shit. Save your opinions <laughs> until next week. Yes. <laughs> okay, so there's going to be... Uh, <laughs> you're not down with RE4. I, I, just, just, to, just to set it up for yeah. next week. I played Resident Evil 4 
pretty late. I played it on the Wii. I didn't mm-hmm. play it when it came out initially. I thought it was a good game. I didn't think it was a good Resident Evil game. Okay. And uh, and I don't understand why to this day everyone raves about that thing. You can all tell me next week. Oh, oh. I'm just going to leave you with two words. Mercenary mode. Okay. Next there you week. go. So uh, well, tune in for that next week. That's exciting. But in the meantime, uh, where can we find us uh, on, the, on the internet, guys? Attribute Games. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I attribute games on Twitter. Uh, I should just have a, my own little <laughs> tribute games Twitter, <laughs> Twitter account. We <laughs> go through this every time. <laughs> you can find us all at tribute games. Yeah, find us all at tribute games. Yeah, no, I'm at dumb 2 d on, on uh, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, everything. All that stuff. Yeah, at PixelTel on Twitter and Tumblr. Mm, Justin underscore Sear, C-Y-R. I'm somewhere in the city. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look out behind you when you feel warmth and kindness. You will find Stefan. Jeff Major when his zero and seven O. Sorry. Uh, at Carl Kershaw on everything. And I'm uh, Eggboy Keller on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, Tribute Games at Tribute Games and on uh, Facebook and uh, on the internet in general. Uh, you can find me at Yannick Belzil on Twitter and on Instagram. On Instagram, there's drawings, and on Twitter, there's uh, a, a lot of s- uh, silliness. So, uh, guys, uh, thanks uh, for listening to us, and uh, we'll be talking at you about games and such next week. Bye-bye.